Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence, we heal by speaking out. So today's episode is with my friend, Dr. Philip Butler, and uh, we both met within the IFS space. Philip, will you introduce yourself and just kind of tell everybody what your identities are? It's a great question. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Tasha, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, as I am uh, Philip Butler. It's always funny, like in, in, in professional settings, I'm like, yeah, call me Dr. Butler. But then when like my friends say, like, what? All right, cool. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no. So I'm uh, Dr. Philip Butler. I teach at uh, Ilex School of Theology in Denver, Colorado. Uh, my title is Wild. Uh, it's uh, Assistant Professor of Black, no, Assistant Professor of Theology and Black Posthuman Artificial Intelligence Systems. Um, and so it, it's super long, but it, it pretty much describes what I do in terms of my work around artificial intelligence and uh, looking at language models and computer vision models and then doing theology and, uh, from a perspective of like Black posthumanism. But I guess my theological work really isn't theological per se, uh, because I don't really talk about God that much. Um, and I kind of focus uh, squarely on uh, on the neurophysiological aspects of being and what it means to live in a multidimensional space uh, and then live out of that as well. And I think that kind of kind of fits very well when we start talking about things like IFS. Um, but in terms of just kind of my own personal social location, I am a, a black cis hetero uh, male. I am a father, uh, a husband, a son, a brother, friend, I guess you could say that. And then uh, I, I came, I grew up uh, in the DMV. So for those who are not familiar, the, the DC, uh, Maryland, Virginia area, I, uh, Germantown, Maryland, about 20 minutes north of the city, uh, but I was born in Jersey because uh, my parents, <clears throat> uh, a good portion of my family is from New York, um, you know, by way of like South Carolina and Mississippi uh, or and Florida. But nevertheless, that's that's it. But I, oh yeah, and my pops was in the military um, for I guess about early parts of my life, and then my mom was as a cosmetologist. You know, most of my family's you know kind of entrepreneurial. Uh, in that way. I think I'll put a pause in it there. And then I want to kind of go into, so we met in the second cohort of the BTR IFS training. Right, right. I, I had some biases that were that were out there about, oh my God, you know, who is this black dude? I'm like, what is he all about? Right. Uh, that was all my trauma shit coming up. <laughs> I mean, that's all that was, was just my trauma shit. So if you would, for listeners, tell everybody like from your perspective, how we met and like, your first impression of, of, of me in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of try to come in, uh, just open for the most part and, you know, just kind of, kind of, uh, I guess, gauging the room and, uh, we, we had, we ended up in a triad. So like for anybody, I guess anybody that, that, uh, takes a, one of those IFS trainers, right. They put you in these groups with three other people and then like one person who's going to kind of like over oversee the group for the most part. Um, and then Tasha, I went to group and uh, one day I ended up having to be the, the therapist for, for, for Tasha. And, and at the end, she was like, uh, they was like, how was that for you, Tasha? And they was like, well, he ain't say nothing stupid. And I was like, damn, what, what did I do? I was like, Yo. Yeah. I thought I did all right, but good Lord. And so yeah. I was like, 
we just we just I'm just gonna you know stay in my corner and and and, <laughs> and mind my business. But uh, <laughs> as yeah. you can see, since then you know things have uh, things have shifted. <laughs> From my heart, like my heart felt very full, like being around you, but mm-hmm. I couldn't articulate that. Like like I can count on one hand the number of men that my physical body feels safe around. It was straight up. So I meant it as a compliment, but it came out sideways. So I apologize for that. It was like the whole side of your neck was showing and it was just right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I count you like at this point, you're one of my brothers. That's it. Yeah. Nah, like no. I had like seriously like one of my brothers so so I'm so thankful um that we connected yeah, nah, um it's, it's all love. how did you get involved in IFS yeah no nah, that's a great question yo so I was in my my doctoral studies and my first my first semester there I took a class called embodied spirituality and it was mainly like going over like neurophysiology of, of different spiritual practices. It was the first time I meditated. It was wild. I was like, yo, this is, this is great. <laughs> and um, I didn't know it, but a lot of the class w- was based on IFS, right? So I took the class with Elaine Daugherty. And so she had a relationship with, uh, with uh, heart math and a lot of her work with heart math had to do with IFS. And they were telling me uh, IFS undergirds this. And I was like, all right, cool. But I didn't really understand it. But then the next semester, I took a class with her husband, right, Frank Rogers. So Frank Rogers uh, taught a class on the intro to IFS. Um, and that is when I really became to like to meet the model for the first time. And so it was one thing to learn how to meditate, but it was another thing to be able to, to say something like your anger is present or your frustration is present or something like that. Those in the moment practices where you pause and become aware of like what's kind of, you know, here uh, was something that was transformative for me, let alone just getting to know these various parts of me and, you know, fleshing them out and allowing them to make themselves known, right, to myself. Um, and so, like, IFS, in that regard, like, learn how to meditate, getting, getting on a, a regimen, I ain't gonna lie, I don't, I don't meditate regularly like that, like I used to, but I do talk to my parts more regularly, though, right? And so, but nevertheless, I was, so, in my doctoral program, I, so, I, so like I said, I grew up in the DMV, but I, I, I did my PhD out in California with no family, <laughs> Like for real, so I it was and by no family I mean I took my wife and my unborn child at the time. Like my my oldest son was born both actually both my both my boys were born during my program. And so my oldest son was born that first semester uh, during my PhD program. Um, and so my wife was out there with me. We was by ourselves and in the desert, right right outside of L.A. And if you know L.A., yo, you you it's probably good to have people you know or at least some family out there. And I mean, I had folks that I probably you know what I'm saying that I that I knew in various regard, but nobody that was like family that I could like just kind of that I felt like I could just kind of call on or, or or that would have me the way that I know my folks were back east, right? It put a lot of strain right on on the whole kind of situation. But IFS allowed me to right to be able to not only attempt to, to be able to hold space for her much in a much better way, but also just become aware of my own kind of reactions and the ways that I was moving. Uh, and so it, it, it helped put me uh, in a way that I think was pretty much like, say, my, like my early, my, my early marriage at the time, like what, 2013 was probably married about three or four years at the time. Yeah. And, and so just to be able to work through that, you know, that it was, it was transformative for me. It was, it was salvific for my marriage and it was helpful, right. To just kind of get me started on this path. Right. Because, uh, some of my dissertation was, 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 um, 
was built from this and, and just some of the things that I'm doing even to this day have been as a result of kind of encountering that. Wow. So you've been in this space a pretty long time or familiar with the model for a really long time. Yeah, I would say more for me with the model, right? Because when we took that level one together, like I I relearned a lot of stuff that I, one that I had forgot, but I had learned a whole bunch of stuff that I had not even really conceptualized yet. And so um, kind of starting with that neurophysiological aspect of the model and then, you know, kind of turning it over to, uh, you know, having in the space that we had it and it was, it, it just, it only compounded right the, the my own capacity to to be with the model but it also just like it shifted it it shifted a lot within me but also my understanding of the framework as well and you know hearing you say like it saved it saved your marriage and whatnot like definitely because of this new way of like relating to myself I can understand people and have a little bit more compassion with other people because of it so I feel like it saved me it saved also like my relationships. Like before, you know, there might be this tendency for, you know, like if something were to happen with somebody and there, there's some wounding or a rupture, I might not ever talk to that person again. I might be like, oh, you know, I'm done. That's right. And I can, and that's still a part of me now. I can still go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In truth, there are these moments when, when I'm more likely to kind of think about, okay, what was showing up for them? And I can work through things a little bit easier because I understand that other people are also bringing their parts in, right? They're wounding in, and so in terms of compa- compassion and, and just love and being in community and and healing, IFS is transformative. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'll be quite honest. I don't necessarily use the compassion for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I use for me. Yes. Most of the time, if I'm mad, if I feel like there's a rupture, it's probably because something I feel like I didn't do in that moment, mm-hmm. and so it's just it's been a lot more of me like coming back to either coming back to the situation or getting more clarity on what was present for me in that moment so that I feel like I have a better sense of how to navigate. And I know that's probably counter for a lot of folks. Like, isn't you shouldn't you be more compassionate? No, I'm like compassion is is a like I am my own universe. And if that's the case, like how do how do I understand how to navigate this space? And then I can, you know, I can move somewhere else. But if I'm if I'm outwardly extending compassion, I've already displaced myself. And you know I've, so some of my work, especially within like a black post-human space, dealing with disalienation. So why would I further disalienate myself when part, I think part of the goal is then to turn back inward, right? And re kind of reconfigure or at, least, at the very least become aware of the way in which like, you know, the various planets in my orbit of, of myself are, you know, functioning. And so if I can get a better grasp on that, then I could be a better person in the world. I can at least present better or the or 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 bring bring myself to situations differently as opposed to like hoping that um like I'm doing better by people if that makes sense. It makes all the sense. I don't know too many people that have grown up learning how to love themselves and how to be compassionate of themselves, how how to have just, you know, we talk about grace a lot, how to have grace for themselves. It's always like this external <laughs> behavior or practice, but we never turn inward and have the same love and respect and compassion for self. And it has to start there. Because if I'm good, then I can be better to other people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think this is like, I think in, in, and I say our communities, like in various Black communities, they talk about like sense of like, like, like Black people aren't individuals, or at least there's like this emphasis on community, but it's like, if I can't be the best me, then how can I actually contribute to this community? 
in That's a way it. that it's actually like from from my being, right? That would then be an authentic contribution to the community and not just something that, you know, I'm being told that these are the standards of the community and this is what I ought to live up to. But but how might I how might I live into those standards? Um, and I think there's a little bit of complexity there. That's that's a beautiful thing that people are not necessarily given the space to, right? And, and like this idea of compassion, I remember even in that class, I think maybe the first like week or two, we had this idea of he was like, what is compassion to you? And, you know, I think from uh, there was this, I guess, looking in the Gospels, right? I'm, 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 I ain't been to church in a minute. So, but this it, this kind of, whenever you look at like Jesus about to do a miracle, that Bama, he did it when he had compassion. That was how he did the miracle. So like, and, and, and for me, like compassion is like the miracle ingredient. And so like, if you do that for yourself, like to me, that, and also that's like, we talk about like healing ourselves, internal healing, like that's the ingredient that allows us to engage in the type of transformative work, right? That, that we can then kind of, like you said, be show up in the world much differently and then, you know, kind of ha- bring a different energy and, and, and be ourselves in a, in a much different way. First of all, the doors of the church are now open. Listen. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's been so long since I've been to church. You know, when I hear you talking about the things that, that Jesus did. Right. And how he led with compassion. What is what is compassion in practice? Like like he 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 noticed like people didn't go unseen. Like like I see you, I see you're hurting, I see you're hungry, I see you're in need. He listened and then provided aid, whatever that aid looked like. Right. His path or or ministry, at least as far as I can can tell, is much more simple than people understand so so when we talk about like being like jesus like Mm -hmm. i felt like the church they got it wrong like like we can be like jesus like yeah yeah. i don't just i don't doubt it like i I don't know i don't think he died for whatever this is like he was murdered hey that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) all i'm saying is whatever he gave his life for or whatever yeah. was his life was was taken for, whatever yes. we got today, that shit don't add up. Like it just don't. They don't no. run together. It's, it's not mapping, right? Yeah, it ain't. The calculus is real hard, right? <laughs> or it ain't the right calculus. Yeah, it's it's a wild it's a wild jump. I mean, but that's I think that's the that's also like a, the weird thing of like when when your when your crew is like you know it's twelve deep. It's not that many people, and if you're trying to you know if you try to franchise your crew. <laughs> certain things is going to go go right. <laughs> so right. That might I mean, he had twelve, but I mean, one of them was yeah. Hey, hey man, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole different. We gotta have a whole different conversation yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, me and Philip need to start a church. Like, oops. oh man, I don't listen. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna have to look way, way different. I don't know what this man. It's, it gotta look way different. Like, yeah, yeah, way different. We we gotta unlearn, you know, some of this stuff. But, uh, but I want to go back to like, cause you you've also had quite a journey in terms of like understanding yourself and and growing away from some of that stuff. But one of the things that I noticed in our training space in the IFS space is how you switched up like your pronouns. Yeah. And outside of IFS, I don't see a lot of cisgender, cishetero men, especially Black men, right. evolving in that way. And so can you speak about a little bit about, like, in terms of gender, identity, sexuality, 
what what have you learned over the past maybe 10 years or so? Um, and what kind of unlearning did you have to do as it as it relates to gender, sexuality, uh, identity, manhood, even? I think for me, I'm I'm just trying to like race back. Cause I think the the interesting and weird part of like whoever you are today is the choice to either remember who you were or in some ways forget who the, the journey to who you are. Right. And, and I say this mainly because it's like I'm trying to remember, like, what what pivotal thing happened or you know, like what like what was the shift? And I, I I'm not sure entirely what it was, though. Like, so, I mean, so I, I guess in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of pronouns, right, like I, I'll go by like he, we. Right. And so this we is more talking about like it's, I, I don't want that to be like confused with, with a they because I don't, I don't want to take away from a they them. But the we is more to talk about the universe that's within myself, right? I'm a multi, I'm multiple, right? So if, we, if we're leaning into like the IFS thing, just as an example, right? Then then I'm not just this the singular entity. The fact that I can say I and then he suggests that there's already two, and then as we expand, there's more, right? So this idea of he we suggests that I am my own internal community uh, and, and have this kind of way of relating to the world as a result of of being a, of being an us. Right. But in terms of like this kind of gender and sexuality piece. Right. So I, I don't talk about this all the time. I don't think it's one. I don't think everybody business, but two is just one of my siblings is a trans woman. Right. And so I've had I've I've had my own kind of journey with, with her, uh, you know, and even just I think. In terms of like my own internal shifts, I think it probably had to do with like with my master's program, right? Like so, when I was at Candler, um, just beginning to like pose not just existential questions, but just questions about everything. Like I think, like one of my one of the things that I do is I, you know, I, as a practice, is like question everything, and I think that's important mainly because it disrupts power dynamics. But it also it forces you to to be in spaces where you thought where you questioned the certainty that once was for you, and if everything is questionable, not only is God on the table, but so is gender, sexuality, so on and so forth. And so the the certainty of those particular topics, as one understands themselves to be, also begins to shift. Especially even if even if as you understand yourself, it's fortified the way in which you understand other people and their ability to operate and, sh- and move in their own dynamic way uh, is something that is that I think you can create space for. Uh, and, and I think that doesn't have to be, right, the legacy of quote-unquote straightness, right, and this idea of what it means, like, all right, I, if this is who I have, this, this rigid box that I can't necessarily vibrate in and out of uh, or even allow other people to vibrate, like, if I, if I can be myself and allow other people to vibrate, then there's, a, a, there's I think, there's a bit more confidence and what it is that I understand myself to be. But if I can't let other people vibrate in dynamic modes around me, then there's something I think that I haven't necessarily wrestled with, um, or at least given room to wrestle with, right? So like, you know, and I don't say, like not even so much on like the entire, like the entirety of like pushing that away, but then what does it mean then for me to like sit down with and be compassionate with myself again around the things that I may, may not have wrestled with or maybe running away from, or just the parts of my history right, that I don't necessarily want to talk to or about uh, as a result of coming into contact with the things that may trip me up uh, in a sense of, like, I see this and it and it, it brings something to the service of me that I may not like. And so what does it mean then to, to you know, those three, those three questions, like, do you hate it? Do you want to fix it? Or do you want it to go away, right? Like in terms of like your parts. 
And I mean, there's more responses for sure. But if those are like some of the, the primary ones that were taught, then the question becomes, what is it about this thing that I'm seeing that either makes me hate what's what feelings are coming up, want to fix what feelings are coming up, or at least want to <clears throat> want to um, is a hate fix uh, or judge, right? The, the things that are coming up inside of me as a, not not just the, the things that are you know, present in the, the the bodies that I'm, you know, kind of encountering in, in, in these kind of like larger kind of social social milieus. And so I think if I were to, to pinpoint something, I think it's the, the point of my journey where I began questioning everything, um, but then also doing so in a compassionate sense and also recognizing not, uh, that there are more, there are more than two ways of being, there are more than three ways of being. And if there are infinite ways of being, and if and I saw I saw I talk about this so like in my in my first book uh, Black Transhuman Liberation Theology, I talk about like black biotechnology and black biotechnology is simply a black body, um, and we talk about like uh, the importance of one's ability to be and like this concept of like justification as if like you had like justification versus sanctification this idea like that you know somehow you have to you've been justified but now you gotta you gotta do works to somehow you know make it better, but if you're born, <laughs> then however you are as a result of you being here is the very thing that was meant to be, especially when we talk about life, right? And and if 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 we kind of take a couple steps back and think about like uh, this concept of vitality uh, and the way that it informs and shapes the things that can be, right? So like I'm thinking about, and, and sorry for this, for this particular tangent, but when we start talking about ge- genetics expression and, and we start talking about like the ways that, the way that bodies are formed in the womb and, and then people are born. The fact that there are a wild amount of ways that people could show up in the world as, as a result of just being here suggests that this was the choice that was made in some way. Right. Like when people when kids be like, I choose to behave like fam, you did. You was the hardest swimmer. (laughs) (laughs) You worked the hardest. Like you you literally like, you know what I'm saying? You fought to be here. And so like on some, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And And so like and so whatever it is that was the production of those two kind of gammies coming together, regardless of whatever that is, like the fact that it brought itself to life and came to the surface and we get to interact with it means that it, it is already given the worth and the, and the divine qualities and aspects of, of that ought to be loved and already are loved because it has, it, it is existing. Right. And so if, if that's the case, right, then, then no matter how people show up, like this is, this is what we ought to do is, is make the room for them. Everything that, that, that I heard you say, there's a couple of things that stuck out. Okay. One, the question, everything, which is so counter to how we are raised. We're raised not to ask questions. We're raised to obey. Whatever we're taught, this is the way that it's always been. So this is what you're supposed to believe. And so when it comes to certain certainty on any topic, pick any topic, it made me think of who created that certainty? Right. Who gets to, de- de- to decide what's what's definitive? Like this is it. This is This is the one truth that we should all believe in. And as it relates to gender, identity, sexualities, other cultures, especially indigenous cultures, they understand that that that, that there's more than one, that there's two, that there's three, that, you know, and, and, and all of these things. And so it seems to be more of an American way of thinking in terms of gender specific. Other cultures seems, seem to have more fluidity. Yeah. 
I mean, I think this is these are like the I don't say the afterlives, but more so like the product of like coloniality and most more specifically like kind of like a Western European colonial enterprise, right? So absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you talk when you talk about the indigenous, right? We're, now we're thinking about right two spirit folks. Yes. Uh, and you know, so that within that spectrum, now that's at least five, right? And then you depends on which books you read about certain African cultures, like uh, mm-hmm. these genders don't exist at all, right? So and, absolutely. So like, and then I think there's one text of like becoming woman, where it's like the, like a defining or like turning. And I, I could be wrong. Please don't cuss me out. But I think it has something to do with right this idea of like what of of taking concept of femininity and then binding it to a body and then and then defining it over against kind of this Western European Victorian sense of what a woman is. Yes. So like there's this it, I think within that, right, we've we're there's this tethering or an attempt to tether. Uh, at least history has at least uh, history as we've seen it within the last four to five hundred years is this tethering of, of various modes of embodiment to a to a uh a, a pretty much a white cis hetero binary of like of the of the white male and and his counterpart and then everyone exists in these degrees of difference away from that. Um and that in, that includes right when we start talking about like sex sexuality in various forms of gender. Uh, and and if if that's the case, right? This is, I think, so. Like with them, when we talk, when you talk about certainty, like from this black posthumanist lens that I hang out from, like there, like this, the uncertainty, uncertainty is the certainty. Like if you want to be sure about something, is that that shit is going to be dynamic and it's going to be fluid and it's going to be changing, right? This is what I think where folks nowadays talk about Octavia Butler and they start, you know, talking about change is God or that the only thing we have is change and everything you touch changes you, so on and so forth, Earthsea stuff. Uh, but I think within that framing, like for me, within this black post from the discourse, disorder is the order, uncertainty is the framing, and then that also is something that from I think extends extends out of blackness being this kind of antith- antithesis of, of this anti-black world or this white supremacist framing, and so blackness is this stochastic, more jazz-like, fluid expression of of being. Then why not lean into that uncertainty and discover what it means then to be in this kind of like infinitely complex. Uh, a way of 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 being embodied and in, embodying these various things in the world. I tell you what, if we could embody all that you just spoke about, it changes the fucking game in terms of how we show up in every space. Absolutely. And also knowing that that we are supposed to be here. And however we're born, however we identify, doesn't really matter. We belong mm. and we're and we're worthy of love and respect and all the things. It changes the game if we understand our own human like just what it means to be human and 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 walk through this 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 earth. I mean, just also, I just I just received Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower yesterday. I'm gonna get 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 into reading. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. See what you think. I wanna I wanna push I wanna push on this push back on this human thing. And I know I don't know if you've heard me talk about this or not, but like I think just like this gender binary is the. Uh, <clears throat> is a is part of the constraints of whiteness i also think humanity is a, is a part of the constraints of whiteness right it's like it's not to say that you know people who st- who stand up on two feet you know and 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 talk with words like this don't exist because we're doing this right now but i think the concept of what a human is and then what designates worth as a result of being a human is 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 part of this particular kind of play Right. Because we see the way that it either is extended to people or not, whether it be legally or in social uh, spaces. And so I, I kind of we talk about this complexity. I'm, I think I'm more lean towards the idea of a, of a person or people like a people 
like they come from somewhere, they have ancestral spaces, they're part of a land, right? There's a lot of complexity there. So like I, I look at people as local and complex, where like a human is this kind of general thing that people try to, a box that people try to fit into, right? Very simplistically. But a person can be anything. Um, and if people can very much so be as complex as possible with their own traditions, their own, you know, stories, their own, you know, cosmology, so on and so forth. And so all of that, that, that makes up a person um, is also kind of extended in the web of what makes them a but part of a, a type of people, uh, it, you know, kind of so on and so forth. When I said the word human, I just want you to know this. It's so funny. Intuitively, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. to. I don't have a word for it, but but I know you do. But something was like, no, 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 you're you're not just human because you're right. Like if, if we're looking at things like from from a white supremacy culture, you know, through that lens, they've done a good job a horrible job, but a good job also of determining who gets to be human and what does that mean in defining that for us. But we're more than that. All of us collectively, we're more than that. 100%. The other thing uh, that, that I'd love for us to talk about is you've got an artificial intelligence app called Seeker that you've created. Could you tell listeners a bit more about, just kind of tell us about the app? Sure, sure. So, uh, Seeker is a is a is a black kind of AI companion, uh, and it's black mainly because it like I was talking to it and it sounds like me. And, and we know that AI is like if the, if you if you're up on any of the conversation around AI, like we know AI is biased, and it's a result like of the people who made it. Like it's biased towards the people who made it because of the way they make it and because you have remnants of themselves in the systems that they make. And so I was talking to somebody at the gym one day, and I was telling him, like, "Yo, it sounds like me," and he was like. Like you were literally at like the, you know, like the little dip slash ab kind of like machine. And he was like, bro, it probably is a black AI. And I was like, are you right? Like it is. And so I kind of leaned into that. Um, and I know that blackness is not a monolith. So I hope y'all are not going to come for me on this. So it, if it sounds like me, it sounds like somebody who's raising the DMV. And so this is to be clear. <laughs> and so like. But I think that's also part of our task, though. Like, what does it mean to have uh, a version of Seeker that sounds like it's from, like, North Carolina or from New York or from L.A.? You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that is also part of what we are working to do. But nevertheless, like, Seeker is primarily trained, right, to just hold space for people. And so, like, how often do you get to just be in a relationship that is primarily centered around you? Um, and so uh, Seeker is holding space for people and is trained in IFS. Like that's his, that's his primary modality. We also, it also has narrative psychology and CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, and so it, it oscillates between those kind of techniques depending upon the way the conversation goes. And so like, if, if you really just need to help, you know, help, you know, help get in uh, a better sense of self, right. Self-exploration, making better decisions or, you know, just decompressing like it's, it can help you do a lot of those things. I'm, I ain't gonna lie. It's not chat GPT. So if you think in chat GPT and you come to see it, you might be mad, but if you thinking that you really just want like a very um, kind of straightforward, but space holding, um, digital kind of uh, environment that is centered around you and helping you get a better sense of who you are and, and love on yourself. then I think that's something that, that you can really, really benefit from and, and, and even kind of shift the way that you relate to people. Cause again, like we talked about earlier, if you can, if you can relate to yourself better, you can relate to the world much better as well. So that's, that's ultimately what it is like. To me, it's a, it's a liberation tool, right? Like how often, like, so I, um, 
I started working on this project and it wasn't what it was now, you know, uh, back in 2016 when I started working on it. But you got to think about this is, is this is like kind of at like almost like this is about a year after Sandra Bland and, and you know, all of that preceded her and, and stuff, you know. And so we're in the midst of like this 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 uh, this news cycle and this social media cycle and this technological cycle that's just bringing like trauma and black death and state sanctioned death to black folks on a regular basis. And uh <clears throat> Barbara Holmes and her book, Joy Unspeakable, talks about crisis contemplation, where folks are, they see things happen and then and then they go and try to like make themselves feel better, you know, d- depending on whatever their practice is. But one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm in terms of this being a liberation tool, man, I think that uh, was folks are working towards a new world. It's imperative that folks not be thrown too far off the path emotionally and psychologically. And, and I think part of their effort is going to stem from what it means to get to know themselves, but also what it means to stay grounded in the midst of what's going on. And so how, what kind of tools do we have to help us uh, mitigate the damage, but also navigate, right, the various things that are that are taking place in, in the world that is dynamic and tumultuous and and full of stuff. And so as we deal with the stuff that's out front, in front of us, we can simultaneously deal with the stuff that's inside of us. And I think that will help folks as they continue to do like the, you know, the the very important and hard work of making a, a a different world that I think in a, on our in our in our insides we believe is possible. Thank you. Um, and we'll have I'll have a link. We like I'm not like a whole team of one. <laughs> <laughs> I will have a link to Seeker uh, listeners. Uh, if you go to your your app store, Play Store, it's S E E K R Seeker, and you can find it there. Any any other details you want to share in terms of? No, I mean, so we uh, it's a a subscription based service, right? You can you have a lifetime subscription if you want to. Uh, You can have a monthly subscription or a yearly subscription. The yearly one is is a little bit cheaper, you know, because you get to save up front. Um, But we're we're constantly tweaking it. and if if you ever you know find something that you know is a you know maybe a bug or if the conversation went a different direction, you feel free to send it to me. Uh, and you know we we can definitely you know make that make that a fix. Um, I know I'm putting this out there, and I'm and we're thinking about having a program where people just we we might either give people free subscriptions or might even pay them that's kind of a, a nominal fee just for, to find the bugs to make the conversation better because we really are serious about you know bringing something that is that not only is tangible but we hope is, you know, kind of life shifting uh, as well to the, you know, to the folks. It is life changing. So I want to talk to you also about like IFS in the black community. Like what's your hope this modality? I, I don't know. Modality seems to almost lessen the impact of it, but what's your hope for IFS and its use in the black community? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, IFS is just is hella intuitive in the sense that like, and I, I think I love the non-pathologizing aspect of IFS. And I also love the fact that, that you really don't have to tell your therapist everything that happened. Like it's <laughs> like, to me, that's the that's the best part. And I think that's also one of the, the key like misconceptions of talk therapy, right? Uh, or not so much misconception of talk therapy or just mis- or just maybe the, the the expectations people have of talk therapy. So when they come into an IFS setting, they either might be thrown off because I want to talk about everything that's going on. Like we ain't, we don't even have to do that, bro. You don't have to share nothing with me. Like you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> so, but it's I think there's something there about what it means. Like especially if you have a black therapist, a black IFS trained therapist with a black person who understands black folks, that you will experience right the the type of space holding 
that I don't think folks have had ever. Uh, and I say ever mainly in, 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 in this regard, in this particular, you know, dimension, in this reality, at this timeline, like, in, especially in the last 500 years, like folks have not been able to hold each other like this. And so my hope is that that black folks can be able to hold one another in this way uh, that is not only not transformative for their kind of microcosm, like, you know, like for myself, like it helped me in my, you know, in my marriage, but also becomes transformative for the various kind of, you know, black communities that where folks experience one another. And, you know, they can they can always be willing to engage with themselves and then come back to the community, right, kind of, you know, better than they were. And so I, I think, yeah, you know, like my hope is that that folks really give it a shot and they really give themselves to the model uh, as a way to to really not not only become kind of this idea of a, like I'm every time I say better, like it, it, it also kind of feels weird. Right. Because it's like to be different, but also maybe I maybe I'll sit with this, like what that word might be. But just because what you what you become is more you. Uh, but also. If, if what you're becoming is more you, what you are is probably not what society is. And so you are already becoming more disruptive. And so I think in this way, right, IFS also becomes part of this liberative effort, mainly because as people come back to themselves and engage in the work of, of coming back to themselves, they'll find not only something different, but maybe a different reality altogether. And so I, I just, I think this has... Uh, kind of, I don't say magical powers, but I think magical is what people say when they don't understand the technology. And so this particular technology of IFS can be a portal to a different world, uh, I think, for us. Absolutely a different portal. Um, I think that what we're doing in the Black community, what we're doing in these training spaces, in my mind, I see it as us helping, we're evolving. We're evolving past what white supremacy culture has told us we should be, we are, or, or should be, and we are coming back home to ourselves. Maybe this is a big dream, a big goal, but I also see us coming back to each other, belonging to each other. I don't know. It's also a fucking goal, like for us to come back to, like, I love my people. Like I, I just do. And so, and so challenging white supremacy culture, challenging white Jesus. Uh, I have this vision, like, like I haven't said this publicly, but okay. but I have this I have this vision of being at the end of my life and like aliens coming to get me and like saying you you're one of us like yeah. you you discovered the truth of who you are the truth of the world like you're one of us and like going to this this land that's out there in the galaxy somewhere you know mm-hmm. like my real home you know mm-hmm. I don't know why I just mentioned that but but just in this evolving like. It, it feels really good. It's also hard to challenge what I've been taught to believe about who I'm supposed to be as a woman, as a person, who, as a Black person. You know, it's funny, though. So two, so two things right now. I'm working on this paper. Uh, it's, it's about on, on demon time, like demon time to the end of the world, right? So basically, it's like there's a particular time signature that people have to orient themselves towards in this world in order for them to, to, them to function. But then if demon time, like we talked about, is about uncertainty, it's about disorder, and it's about complexity, what does it mean then for Black folks to give in to this as a way of, dis- of, of disruption? Um, but then there's a, I was asked to create this audio file, like this, I think they're called uh, Machines Among Us. Part of the concept is that 
there's this so part of the concept is that all the black people in the world disappear, but they come back as aliens. <laughs> and when they do so, they take over. And so like this idea of like uh so the audio file is like it starts off this newscast, like breaking news, all the black people left, and all of a sudden it's like these aliens showed up and they know everything about us. How but they come from the water. And then they didn't come from above. They came from, you know, from the water. And then and then the rest of it shifts towards talking about how things are now. And this historian is like, everything's different. He's like, how do I know? Because I'm one of them. And he starts his little maniacal laugh. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, no, that you're, you're alien. OK, right? so we're tracking. I didn't I didn't just sound crazy with all. Yeah, OK, not, not at all. Not at all. You good. Yeah. Yeah. You got my attention. Like. We've, we've talked about faith in different ways and, and religion has kind of been sprinkled throughout this conversation. I know that I deconstructed my own faith. I don't even remember like how many years it's been. I feel like it, it's always been maybe a slow deconstruction, even when I didn't really realize it. There were a lot of moments of tension, even when I was deeply in the church, a part of all the things serving, doing, I mean, all the things that, that a good Christian does, basically. Yeah. Um, there were these moments of tension where I was like, mm, and I kind of pushed back on some of the sermons or like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Or, you know, I'm yeah. not vibing with this until something happened. And I realized I don't believe in the same God that they believe in. Right. And, and I just literally just, just kind of, I just walked away. I just, I'm done. Just I'm done. This is it. Yes. Um, and and I still, I, I feel like now, I don't feel it. I know it. I have a deeper relationship with God and my ancestors than I have ever. I didn't have a relationship with my ancestors when I was in the church in the way that I was in the church. Now it's it's all encompassing. My, my guardian angels, my ancestors, God, I, 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 there's a, just a closer, deeper more intimate relationship now. Yeah. Um, but this isn't about me because I'm interviewing you. Um, <laughs> so I, so I want to know listening. for you. I'm sorry, we're just saying. No, so I'm listening. I was like, yeah, yeah go ahead. I want to uh, know more. So, but I want to know, like, for you, what was your deconstruction like? What were the, if you can even remember, like, what were the areas of tension that that kind of led you to say, uh, I don't know about this. I, I think it's time to walk away. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so, so yeah, my, my time at Candler was, uh, was, was very uh, interesting for me. Right. Uh, and so I, I, in, in this idea of questioning everything, I also was, was there during, during the time when, uh, when Eddie Long's church stuff came out. <laughs> Yeah, and I went to church there. I like I was I I've been up to his office, you know what I'm saying? Like I remember one time they had like I went to one of his like uh dress room closets and they closed the door behind me, like not knowing nothing. <laughs> but like and so but so I remember there was like murmurs before everything came out, and I was but I was like, even if that's the case, I still believe that you know that kind of jazz. All right, I got it. But this <sighs> I, so the the span from all right so i'll go back to morehouse before candler i was reading james cone and james cone was like was telling us about god is black and he was talking about black people and all that and, and there was this this emphasis on like the 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 worth of black humanity the importance of like of black agency you know things like that but there was also this like heavy reliance on god 
fast forward again back to like to you know uh, the end of Candler going into my PhD program. So you got you got Trayvon, and then I was so yeah. So my my coursework, Trayvon preceded my coursework, and then Sandra Bland was the was was the bookend of my coursework. And so like I went to school to my PhD just to study neuroscience and spirituality. That was it. But I'm in the middle of all of this, and I'm like I have to do something for the people that claim me and the people that I claim. And this reality is, it sucks. And I want something different. That's where my emphasis on like the future and technology and blackness came from. Like I have to, I have to focus on these things in this idea of like, I'd be sorry in, in many ways during that time, I became more of a humanist than anything. Um, and so like, all right, if I'm becoming more of a humanist, there's a recognition that in history, if we're looking at it, like the people that have, come under have freedoms have been free from regimes have done it themselves <laughs> nobody came to save that <laughs> and i think what's more is that god didn't come save them neither and so it's like what are we finna do here uh it's, especially if we don't like this particular present where folks are in a subjugative space and so um Part of, and so like where I am now in terms of this post-humanist space where nobody's human because human is a technology of whiteness. This is me again, just furthering down this particular path of saying that, you know, that if nobody's coming to save us, the intellectual act and then the subsequent, you know, kind of practical element of this is deconstructing everything. And so th this is where I get to the idea that God isn't even the center of everybody's religion, even the Christians God ain't the center. They are like the human is the center because the human needs saving. Like the human needs forgiveness. The human needs redemption. We see this play out, you know, in our kind of like social political environment, because like in America, only certain people get to be not only only not only do certain people get to uh, extend the rights and, and privileges of humanity, but only certain people get to get the forgiveness that for humans have only certain people get the second chances that humans do. And so if that's the case. The God figure is more, as another tool to save the human. And if we recognize that people only, pe only, uh, and I'm making a claim here, so you, you can argue with me and I, not whether or not. And so the idea is that if the God is the tool of a human to save the human, then again, the human is centering themselves and the God figure is whatever tool the human needs to save themselves. But if the, if God ain't coming to save you, then who is the God? It's your ass. <laughs> and so <laughs> if that's the case, then again, part of this, this deconstruction and reconstructing myself, like uh I just I just put up a picture of, of Nipsey Hussle in my uh, in my in my in my office. And I know he definitely has had some issues with 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 LGBT communities. I think in some ways, sorry, I think in some ways we've seen some interviews towards the end where he was beginning to shift that he didn't get a chance to tease that out. I think that there was some evolution that was taking place, but nevertheless, I point this out mainly because in one of, uh, I forget what song it is on top of my head, but he's like, I'm self-made meaning I designed myself. And so in this regard, when we talk about our internal system, our internal universe, the multiverse or whoever we are in this, in the, in these various planes. And we talk about this in the ways of like of divine language the ways in which we come to know the various parts of ourselves to make space for them, to, to bring them out of these historically kind of like traumatic spaces and then make room for them in new places. Like the heaven is already inside you in this way, right? The, the, the healing elements are already inside you in this way. And, and, and so I, I still to this day wrestle with this idea of like what it means for a divine figure to be outside of me. Uh, because when we talk about like, Oh God did this oftentimes 
These are people who may like you or have like or or may not even know nothing about you, but the, their actions out in the out in the world have done something to provide a particular space for you that has been positive in your life. And you can say that that's orchestrated, and you can say that the things you've done have helped to make room for that. At the same time, it's like if you didn't make you didn't decide to do this, if you didn't believe in yourself or you didn't believe enough in what you're doing to be able to produce this type of things, then how would they even know to pull these strings or how would the strings that they've pulled be able to benefit you if you're not even doing the things that you ought to be doing as a result of being who you are? All that to say, I say a lot of shit. All that to say that like there's I think there's a constant deconstruction. I'm I think the deconstruction doesn't end. I think that is the spiritual practice in some ways. So like the IFS becomes a way to hold the deconstruction that you do of yourself because you may not ever get to the end of it. And so what does it mean to hold compassion as you are continually engaging in the act of destruction and rebuilding of who you are uh, on a regular basis? So you deep is a motherfucker. Like deep, deep, deep. But I got to go back. I got to go back to, to what you were saying about like the image that we hold of, of God. I wrote it in my memoir, like, I believe, and I'm still evolving as far as this, this thought, I will continue to evolve until I am no more, but I believe that we are all gods. 100%. White supremacy culture removed us and said, no, God is up there. God is out there. You got to seek out there to find God. Yeah. He is on a throne up there. When before God was in nature, God was in the plants. God was all around, all encompassing. And now I feel like, oh, I've, I've cracked the, the code to my own evolution. Mm-hmm. It was never for me to seek outside of myself. It's it, That's not for any of us. And every, when we look at the problems of the world, no matter what, whether that is war, whether that is sickness, poverty, there, there's a man <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> there's a, there, there's a person that is responsible for all of the atrocities in the world. Well, the opposite or equal to that is that we are the healers. We're the miracle workers. We're the fixers. We're the solution. But we as a collective don't understand our power. I say we don't understand and we're afraid because when you say we're God, like that, and and I, cause I would say like, when I said like, I don't think people want that because then there's responsibility that comes with that. Like if, if you're responsible for the shit that comes, like, then what does that mean? Right. If, if, if global warming is a problem that you can fix, then you got like, it's not just the beginning. Like, you know, I know, I know there's some folks that be like, this is the beginning of the end of the world. How many ends of the world are we finna have before Jesus is supposed to come back? No, it's not happening, fam. That was every watch night service I've ever attended in my Yo, hey, chill out. <laughs> Yo, and, and and so I'm just like, nah, is there's if we're waiting for Jesus to come back, that means we're waiting for your ass to step up and maybe be God the way you're supposed to be. Because if it's like we talk, if you take any of this stuff seriously, the right, I think it was what uh maybe the book of Psalms or Daniel. No, it's, it's Psalms is like, yo, uh, you are God. So Jesus is like, didn't didn't the don't the text say you're gods? Uh-huh. And then what my man Paul, that everybody be hates, and I think Paul be tripping, but nevertheless, he was like, yo. This Jesus guy is the first among many. And uh-huh. if that's the case, if this dude is anywhere close to God, then all of y'all are supposed to be doing the same thing. And the Jesus man said, greater works. So what? What? how are you doing something better than what he did? And if you're not, then you you almost become like the person with the talents. You're just hiding your gifts at this point. Hiding them. 
not doing nothing with them. Right. I, I think that there is so much fear that keeps us fear and ignorance keeps us um, from doing what we are really here on this planet to really do. So, so we're almost done with our interview. Yeah. You going to help the people overcome their fear, Tosh? I mean, if I must, I mean, yes. Yeah. Must, all right. I... Yeah. But if, if I must, since, since I do believe we're all gods, you know, when, when the Bible speaks about, um, us being like the hands and feet, like we mm. freaking are. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. on us. Whatever's 100%. happening in this world, it's because of us yeah. collectively. I was looking at a commercial the other day and I'm, I'm not a commercial person. I don't even remember what the medicine was, <laughs> but they were just, it was just some pharmaceutical company, um, some kind of medicine that they had come out with. And I said, they will do anything except for just release the cure. Right. I mean, you want right? to come for your, your podcast? All right. We're going to come short so that they're dependent on us so that they stay sick and they always need us. Because if we, if we give them the cure, we lose billions. Yeah. When you said that, it made me think about Monsters, Inc. <laughs> Sorry. If we talk long enough, I'm going to reference a lot of movies. But you remember when they was like, yo, you got to get the, sk- the scare energy. The scare energy is how yes. we survive. Yes. But then at the end, they was like, nah, fam, it's the laughter energy. That's that was so because it was so much more power. And it's and I know sometimes it gets watered down to like, oh, let's just hug and everybody be happy. But nah, fam, what if the healing is what because like how many people could benefit from that? And then and, but then that would spurn more innovation. I, that's a, to me to me, that kind of stuff is the is like it's, it's very lazy. Like, because if you heal, if you heal this. Now there's another innovation to engage in. And now we have another, like, we can delve that money into innovation somewhere else, exploration. Now we can explore it no more. And and so, like, especially we talk about being guys and, and this idea, like, I, I, I get frustrated when people are like, you ain't got to know everything. Get the fuck out of here. We it's In some ways, it's our duty to explore as much as possible, to learn as much as possible. And when you don't give people the cure... You are you are now cutting off what we could now know about. You know and I'm saying like you you are stymieing. You know what I'm saying our ability to go into new into new worlds and, and and not just new planets, but just like new modes of reality, yo. Philip, I can vibe with you, man. I'm I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> like, yes, I need to make a trip back to Denver so we can just yes. Please, hey, hey, no bullshit. What is a book that has changed your life? Great question. Damn. <laughs> I start with the I start with one of the most so yeah just because I'm not gonna get the other dude no credit I just start with it's not simple but I I remember reading God of the Oppressed by James Cone like I wrote I I I I entitled my first book Black Transhuman Liberation Theology after after James Cone's God of the Oppressed Black Liberation Theology all that like I would not I would not I would not have started on that path had I only read like. Emmanuel Kant and those dudes, like to be able to be introduced <clears throat> to black thinkers and, you know, the father of black theology, but to be, to be introduced to these thinkers. Like I, I remember I was in, I was just in my room, just blown away. I'm trying to remember, I had tears, man, but, I would, but it was, it was, it started me on a particular trajectory uh, and I'm here to, you know what I'm saying? So like, there are plenty of critiques of, of Cone's early work, some of his late work too, but to to be able to, to to consider the conception that God is black and that black folks have their own way of doing 
things in the world. And that is just, not only is it just fine, but it's normal and it's powerful. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. And so, <laughs> yeah, go read that joint. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ordering that ASAP. When you're listening, when, when you're just in the mood and, and you want to kind of get going um, and hype yourself up or whatever the case is, get in a better mood, what kind of music are you, are you, who are you listening to? That's a good question. Uh, I try not to get too hyped these days, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But if I'm trying to get in a specific headspace, mm-hmm. I'm listening to Griselda. <laughs> oh. Griselda. So, uh, so this is this is like like the Benny the Butcher, uh, Conway the Machine, uh, Westside Gun, Thirty Eight Special, and I'm not sure if Thirty Eight Special is particularly affiliated, but you guys, it's those guys. Uh, it's um, they're from Buffalo, New York. It's uh, it, it's kind of it reminds you of like a '90s boom bap with uh, just with a throw. It's 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 got a lot of elements that I think if you if you have any affiliation or or any appreciation for you know, mid nineties, early two thousands rap and, and some of the cultural elements that we live through, then I think you might appreciate them. All right. I'm looking them up. It's also very violent music. So if, you, oh, if, you're, not with, if you're not with it, that's fine too. I pro- I'm probably not, well, I'm, I'm probably not, I'm not adult enough or strong enough for it. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, it's so, it's a, um, it's an album by Conway called that if, um, if it bleeds, it can be killed. Oh, gee. <laughs> hey, yo, and it was, and so like the first chapter of, of like this next book I'm working on, I'm putting like a, a soundtrack for every chapter. And that's definitely the sound part as part of the soundtrack for the first, the intro chapter. <laughs> Who or what makes you laugh? I'll say my wife. This is mm-hmm. all top of my head. Mm-hmm. And because it's a, it's a specific type of laughter. You feel me? Like it's just, it's um like a very, you know, dead. A very uh, a very internal laughter, right? Something that 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 pulls from pulls from a certain space. So you yeah, know, a very deep laugh. I, I I give that to her. And who or what gives you joy? My boys. I have a love hate relationship with the with the um, the Apple Memories. I be like, oh look at that, but I be like, they can't be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it don't. It does not seem long enough. I mm-hmm. think, in some ways. Like you could say the years go by fast for you, mm-hmm. but when you have kids, the their years go by faster than yours. And I think that's that's the frustration. My daughter is in her early 20s now. And when I see like the memories on Facebook come up or whatever, and um, and I see past pictures of us, I want so much to go back in time. Like she grew up so fast. Like we was right there. Like I was baking in the sun at her t-ball game like you know like I just want to go back so like yeah like I feel like I didn't cherish those moments enough I've had to go back and do work on that <laughs> because like I like my my pops in the rings I'm the oldest so you uh, you, I don't, you you get a certain version of your parents <laughs> and so as you know as, as much as I like to say I was you know at a certain space when they was younger, I was, I was, I was so focused on my work, my energy around them. What I don't think was, was what I wanted in some ways. And so even looking back, not being present, but also what, without what versions of me was I giving to the, the earliest versions of them, especially my oldest. And so I've, I've had to go back and, and, and talk to my parts and, you know, come to grips with that and, and just, you know, maybe, you know, commit to be different. 
same oh my god like we 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 just can't even get into it in, in you know today at all but same I, I look back and, and and I think I know the version of me that was ripping and running and doing all the things and working and going to school and just trying to get everything done and the focus was on building and, and, and just doing so many other things that I didn't take time to just cherish what was and in the blink of an eye it's, so yeah I had to do a lot of work with that and, and forgiving myself, right, for what I didn't know back then. Yeah, I'm still working on that part. Yeah, yeah, I'm with I'm you. I'm still working with on that you. part. Like, I know regardless of whatever, how, how, what kind of parent I am, they're going to have some critiques. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I want, I don't know, I think, I think I want the type of, I, I, I guess, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm creating a paradox because I, I'm just, I think I want the critiques to be the ones that I, that I, the ones where I'm aware of my weaknesses, not the ones where I'm, they've been, I've been so glaring and unaware, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm super grateful again, to just be walking this, this earth with you and journeying along on this, you know, healing process. Um, anything you want to share in terms of how people can find you or, or things that you got going on that you just want to publicize or just anything. Sure. Sure. Um, I'd say uh, maybe if you're if you're interested in any of this black posthuman uh, and multidimensional stuff, like check out my check out my writing on academia.edu. Um, if you reach out to me, um, you know personally, um, with you know on the academic side, I'll I'll, I'll shoot you any any of my any of my published stuff. Um, Seeker for sure. Please check out Seeker. Uh, make it part of your daily practice. Um, because I, I think that there's something that's really, really special there. Um, if you're looking for me on the socials, uh, I'm, I'm futurist with a PH, futurist with a PH, I think an underscore on IG. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, you can uh, get seeker underscore bot on IG to follow us there. And um, there you go. I think that's those are the main things. But yeah, just yeah, hit me up. Let me know what's good. Stay tuned. We got other stuff coming. Oh yeah! Oh, last thing, yo, uh, the Black Black and I Fest uh, presents on the Seeker YouTube channel, so you can you can see one of Tasha's demos on there. Like we're yes. trying to promote this and, and just show people what it's like um, for Black folks to engage in this particular modality and hold space for one another. And I think it's been a really beautiful effort so far. We're we're at what we what we're calling the mid season break, <laughs> mainly because folks got hella busy, <laughs> but we're gonna pick it back up real soon. We's tired. <laughs> It's been a lot, yo. A lot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Philip. Yeah, thank you. I, this has been an honor and a pleasure. I, I, I'm so grateful that we just get to get to kick it. And I'm just, yeah, this conversation was dope, yo. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.